Hello, welcome to podcast. <laughs> this is journalism. Is 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 very bad. What did I get myself into? <laughs> David, where is your mask? COVID is a hoax. <laughs> I'm gonna bring in a professional medical. Professional. Much, sounds much better than amateur medical. I'm a like a student. <laughs> a professional medical physician. Student. Physician. Student. Physician. Student physician. Student physician, fine. He's, uh, he's done zero surgeries or procedures, so you know that he hasn't been biased by the big pharma. And he has a 100% success rate in all of his medical um, <laughs> interventions. Everybody, we're pleased to introduce Binyamin Simkahayev. I don't know how to pronounce your name, sir. That was good enough, good enough. <laughs> so, Benjamin, tell us a little about yourself. Why are you here? How did you get on this podcast? So, what strings did you pull? I was walking outside one day and this okay, guy... Okay, this is bad already. <laughs> <laughs> this guy who comes with me in the back has a knife to my back uh, i mean um it's not much about me i'm just a regular old jew oh he's so <laughs> humble look get out I hate <laughs> oh my god anyways okay so let's 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 discuss some let's discuss what's the what's the idea with judaism and medicine like what are we you know it's funny because i i mean me and me and david actually before we started recording we kind of said that like who cares about Judaism and medicine? Like, is it like, do Jews deny medicine? Like this, it's not even something Orthodox Jews really think about to deny medicine, right? It's, it's like- yeah it's, not, yeah, it's not really something that uh, concerns most regular people, let alone Jews. Right, like, I, I don't know. People don't go around thinking like, you know what, do I believe in medicine? Or like, nah. I mean, there are obviously, there's fringe groups like everywhere, but that's, you know, within everything, not, not necessarily religions or it's just, it's a, it's a percentile of, the human race that believes or doesn't believe in medicine. 100%, 100%. I guess why we're doing this episode now is it ties in well to the the COVID situation and it ties in well to prayer because I guess the only time medicine kind of does enter Jewish thought and like the scientific universe enters Jewish thought is when it comes to praying for a, praying for uh, an ailment to to your, no, a remedy to your ailment remedy to your illness uh, versus taking a pill or, you know, going to the doctors or something like that. Um, I, I, it's again, like it's, it's interesting because there, it really does strike me. Like if you think about it, it's really weird that Judaism never really tackles medicine as a, as like, because mm. it's, you know, a scientific, that was the weirdest face you've ever made. Yeah. What is they they don't tackle it. You've seen the uh, Gamari and Gittin, the uh, 69B. There's a couple of Gemara's where all of the interesting um, old-timey healings and uh, medical practices. Is this the wolf urine one? Yeah, no. That's, that is uh, one among many of very uh, interesting. Those were, the, the truth is, those were accepted. There's stuff about like taking scorpions and making sure this type of scorpion, dry it out in the sun, not the shade, crush it up, mix it with three parts this, two parts that, stick it up your nose, right? So spin around in three circles. And this was accepted medical the the gemara was was 
you know, recording accepted medical practice of that era, of that time. That's what doctors, you know, did. And Sri Ragon on the Talmud, he writes that, you know, you shouldn't do any of those things on that list unless advised by a doctor. You know, we're not insane, you know. But I, I don't look at medicine any different when it comes to prayer any different than any other thing. Like we pray that we should have parnasa, we should have, you know, livelihood, but then we have to go to work, right? So we pray that we have a, a refua, and then we have to go do what we have to do to get the refua. Oh, Binyama, you want to tell me, if you don't mind, the, the world knowing this. Uh, I think that Binyama actually told me when he was starting out, like, you know, I asked him, why are you going into the medical field and everything? He told me he was always inspired by the Rambam, Maimonides. Uh, Maimonides, for those who don't know, he's like, the, he's like the child that every Jewish mother wants their child to be. You know, he, he's like, he's a, he was a lawyer. For the, he represented the Jewish people in, like, debates. And he was a physician. To kings, kings, to, to royal, you know. To, yeah, like to the sultan. Yeah. And he was, you know, he was like the premier, the primo, uh, the primo child. Want to tell us uh, what, what it is it about him that, did you just want to be like the, the paradigm Jewish child when you were growing up? Is that it? Yeah, my mom was a big. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, for me, Rambam, I really like the fact that he was able to uh, incorporate the four aspects of being a healthy person, meaning not just physically, not just spiritually, but both of them with the mental, with the emotional level, just being able to connect those four. That was why he was my own role yeah, model. He's definitely well, well-rounded. That's a real, real well You're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> you, know the, you know the policy. If, you, if we say something not offensive, but it's hilarious and it's self-deprecating, we keep it on. Right. We ha- we wanted people to know how messed up things are over here. Fair enough. But you know, you know, it's actually, what is this story? This story is attributed to so many people, but I love this story so much. There's a story about the, about Maimonides, you know, the one where he, uh, where he, uh, where they claimed uh, the physicians of the Sultan wanted to excommunicate him. And they claimed that they can cure a blind man from his blindness if he was blind from birth. Do you know the story? He learned that. So um, basically, there's this, there's this story. I, I love the story. The physicians of the Sultan and the and Maimonides were always kind of butting heads because, again, like anti-Semitism was rampant back in the day. And I'm not talking about like in the anti-Semitism of today, like if they don't, if they like don't take your order on time, like they're anti-Semitic, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, like real anti-Semitism where they were like regular citizens living among the people and people just hated you. Um, but the physicians of Rambam's time, the time of Maimonides were always butting heads with him because they found it beneath their dignity and beneath the Sultan's dignity to have a Jewish physician. Um, when, you know, clearly they're the superior, clearly they're like the Jews are not to be trusted and everything. Okay, so basically what happened was they made a deal with the Sultan and these kind of deals from what I hear happen all the time with Maimonides where they said that, where they, they went to the Sultan and they said, Sultan, we, we, have, we have a deal. We, we're, we guarantee you we can prove that we're better physicians. We can prove that we're better physicians than Maimonides, than the Jewish one that you have. And if we do, we want you to excommunicate him because this, this land isn't a place for a Jew, right? So the Sultan says, the Sultan didn't really have a choice because he can't really be seen supporting the, Jew, the Jewish cause or anything, but he really liked Maimonides. And so Maimonides, like the Sultan kind of warns Maimonides. He's like, okay, these people want to get rid of you. And so the Maimonides said, don't worry, they, they can, there's no way they can do it. 
they can't cure a blind person from birth. If, if they could, I would have known how to do it by now. As in like, he wasn't like egotistical. He just knew that he spent his, like spent the majority of his life figuring out how, met, how herbs and spices and how things affect, how things affect the human body. I was like, besides, besides being a biblical exegesis, he, that was one of his primo roles. Why am I saying primo so much in this podcast? One of his prime roles. I, I like that fancy word that. Primo. It's very good. <laughs> it's very good. And uh, exegesis, yeah. I, <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, Maimonides said there's no way they could do it. And so basically they bring in a, a person who was blind from birth. And they, whatever they do, like, you know, whatever they did, what they did. And they show, uh, and this blind person, he opens his eyes for the first time. Since since death uh, since birth allegedly, and you see, and then you see that they, you know he's just like marveling. Oh my God, I can see the world. It's so beautiful, you know. And like he's really just like ecstatic about the fact that he can see. And so Maimonides does like the most Jewish thing you could ever do. Um, so Maimonides basically said. So Maimonides basically said to this man, let's call him Bob. What? Bob. Bob. How about we call him Balaam just as like an ironic twist because Balaam calls himself the man with the open eye. Oh, there you go. See what I did there? See what I did there? I have, yeah, that's the extent of my imagination. Anyways, so Maimonides ends up saying, oh my God, that's amazing. You can see now. Wow. Tell me like, how, what do you think of like, you know, and like he points to the curtains. Like, what do you think of these beautiful curtains from the majesty, from the majesty of the Sultan's palace? Like, tell me what you feel. And he just says, wow, these curtains are beautiful. They're just unbelievably made. The patterns, everything's so beautiful. And like, he does this with a lot of things. Then he says, tell me, what do you think about the color of my purple suit? And the guy says, you're not wearing a purple suit. You're wearing a red suit. And he said, uh, and he said, well, if you were blind from birth, how would you know how to differentiate color? Oh, roasted. Exactly. So, you know, like one, one of those, one of those like aha moments. That reminds me of another story of Ram Bam. That was a cat. Oh, it was uh, also like some uh, minister came up to him saying, um, "What's it called? Like, uh, let's have like a bet kind of thing. Like, who whose poison can who whose poison can kill the other person?" So the Rambam's, I don't know why that happened. That the Rambam agreed to it. Maybe he was like forced to agree to it or whatever it was. So then, like they, he gave him a week to prepare his poison. After a week, the minister comes to the Rambam, gives him the poison, and then the Rambam like somehow figures out what's inside the poison. And he's able to make an antidote like very quickly, drinks the antidote. So then he, he ended up being fine. So then it was the next week. Where is he during COVID? Am I right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like the next week, it was the Rambam's turn to make the poison. So the Rambam gives this. Oh, okay. Maimonides. Yeah. <laughs> See, Maimonides. Maimonides. I think all of our listeners know who the Rambam is. Yeah, but just in case this ever becomes to the non-Jewish world. The Rambam is Maimonides for future references. It's just easier to say Rambam. Yeah, Maimonides because it's Moses ben Maimon, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then that would make the Ramban Nachmanides. Nachman ben. And it makes the Rabbah Gersonides. What's Ediz? Ediz is the son of. Oh, got it. It's like every day. <laughs> you were saying the next day what happened yeah so he gives him like uh, a cup of so-called poison right mm -hmm. I just I can't see what I'm doing <laughs> and then uh, so he the, the minister was like worried because he's like he survived my poison I wonder how bad is his poison so he drinks it 
And then, like, in a few hours, he gets sick. He just passes away, and he dies, the minister. So the, the Silkan is impressed with the Rambam. He's like, what strong poison you had? Like, tell me what it was. And he was like, oh, it's just like a regular old food punch juice. Like, it wasn't really a poison or anything. The whole point was, like, it was a placebo effect where the, the minister just was so worried that his poison would kill him that he killed himself, in other words. You know, honestly, that story, true, that story is true. It means two things. One is that it's, that's crazy. <laughs> One is that's crazy, first of all. But second of all, if that story is true, it also points to the fact that Jews uh, don't deny mental illness um, and what's it called? The power of psychology. Oh, and I feel like they... Come on, we invented it. <laughs> <laughs> Sigmund Freud. That's right. You're right. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> Just to preface the next part of this, you know, just a, that was an introduction to the Jewish Judaism medicine. Like, Jews don't, there aren't, the mainstream Judaism, the mainstream Jews never look at medicine as something to move away from, you know, like, uh, like a lot of Jews will question evolution and this and that because it, uh, it you know, kind of conflicts with, uh, conflicts with the, the view of the Torah. Um, there's, uh, that's not the discussion right now, but there's, you know, the, that's, that's something to think. Uh, it's something to think about and something to discuss. But Jews, in terms of medicine, like they were never the they were never the the group of they were never the religious group to vie against medicine. Most of our like a lot of our sages were actually physicians. Again, Maimonides, most uh, most obvious one. Nachmanides was actually a physician. Also, I think he was a gynecologist. I keep hearing that, but I can't find any reference to that. I feel like they didn't have like doctors were a lot more general. Meaning a doctor just kind of like. A doctor was just someone who knew a lot of stuff about medicine. It wasn't specific. You're like, oh, I'm a neurologist and I'm a, you know, a podiatrist and et cetera. I just thought it was like, okay, I'm a doctor and that's it. Maybe I'm totally wrong. No, you're, you're probably right. But like they still, I think they still specialized. In, no, you're right. It was more general. Like they were physicians, right? I think that's like when you take care of the entire body. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Okay. Yes. I know. <laughs> but there are, there are like a group of Jews, which I just found out about like during COVID-19 that are like, straight up anti-vaxxers but i know that that's not specific to jews david i see i see your hesitation i know that's There's not a group of jews that you could find a group of jews for every single good and bad cause that have ever existed because jews are very opinionated as you can tell really we have opinions <laughs> yeah i mean before we get into this topic if you if you don't mind me just mentioning one other thing Come closer to the mic yeah, sure. Oh, I could be louder also if you want. Yes, please. Yeah, please. Right. So I was saying before we, we go into this topic, um, there is one other thing I wanted to mention that there is a Gemara that talks about how the best doctors go to hell. So <laughs> what? Why? Yeah. So is that a Gemara? Yeah, I haven't learned. You have learned it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us more. I want to hear this. So I just want to say, Rambam is not in hell, obviously, right? <laughs> what? How do we explain this Gemara? Um, the, the real easy explanation is that the best doctors tend to think that whenever they save a patient or they do, they cure something, they tend to think that it's all themselves. They have a, they tend to have a big ego. Kochi so, v'otzimiyadi. What? Kochi v'otzimiyadi. Let's translate that for the viewers. And then last week's Parsha. Don't, you know, forget your God lest you say my strength and my, you know, the, the abilities of my hands made me all of my success. Right, right. Being a physician, a lot of times it's all about luck, you know, or it's not luck, God. I mean, whichever I hope not. Wanna, whichever, whichever, no, it is. I don't, I don't want his surgeon to be like, you know, a lot of times this surgery depends on luck. 
<laughs> no, I'm saying like as the guy's drifting off in anesthesia, the other doctor's like, "Wish me luck." <laughs> I'm saying like there's a lot of times where people have the same certain illnesses. Ill, um, I don't listen. Sorry, symptoms. Illness. <laughs> the same. The same symptoms as a common cold versus something that's like a very rare disease. You can't. You know, you would think it's a common cold when you just do a regular physical checkup, but in reality, he has some other complete different disease. So I'm mm -hmm. trying to say it's luck or God or some divine being, whatever our viewers want to believe in. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, there is that level of, it's not always up to the doctor to be able to heal someone. Mm -hmm. As in, yeah, that's, right. yeah, for sure. That's, that's the idea. And that, that's, a, that's, that's the central idea that we're going to come up with any kind of discussion where we talk about the Jews believe in this, Jews believe in that. Jews believe in anything as long as God's involved, I mean, not anything, but you know what I mean, that, you know, with prayer and actual physical doing something, then God will help you. If you just pray, you're asking God to do everything for you, and that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And if you don't pray, then you're just denying that God's not involved, in which case, I don't know, I, I, if I was him, I wouldn't help you, but, you know, lucky for you, and anybody, I'm not God. <laughs> it's like that joke um there was a guy whose house was getting flooded so he goes to the roof of the house and he starts praying to god and he says god please save me so the first boat comes and they, they're like a rescue boat and they're like hey sir you look like you're stuck and he was like no it's okay i'm praying to god i'll be fine and like three boats come like this and he keeps saying the same thing like it's okay I'll, you know <laughs> then he ends up dying and like in heaven he was like god why don't you save me he was like what do you mean i sent you three rescue boats <laughs> exactly it's well said Right. So it happens to me that, you know, the anti-vax issue isn't really like a Jewish fringe group issue. It's like it's an issue all over the world that people don't want to get vaccinated. But it, it is a Jewish issue in a different realm, as in Judaism believes that, you know, in its moral code, it's treat everybody like they're an image of God. And, you know, that kind of imbued the human being with a with a with like, you know, kind of this uniqueness, this individuality, this this value to their life that nothing else possesses. Like, you know, and I'm not saying that like, we're like, whatever, like we're the, we're the ultimate of the ultimate, even though like you could make an argument for that very, even atheistically speaking, you can make an argument that humanity is the, it, it goes w one way or the other in atheism. It's either we're the worst thing, we're the biggest scourge on the planet or we're humanity. Uh, humanity is the biggest potential for this planet. But um, you usually hear the, the former. Um, yeah, they usually go hand in hand, don't they? Not really. Like nihilistic. I, I don't know. Like people who people who read Nietzsche claim to claim to be nihilistic, but they they clearly didn't read Nietzsche correctly because Nietzsche wasn't actually a nihilist. And, yeah, they're just emo. Yeah, you know whatever it is. Um, uh, but like a lot of people love to assume this nihilistic post where like, oh, humans are the scourge of the planet, and you know the why I'm bringing this up is because Judy. You see, what's interesting is that in, in the Jewish culture, every, every being is a reflection of the divine. So you treat every life as sacred. So, and what this means is that if we all as a society can do the research and find out for ourselves, you know, and yes, you could say we're brainwashed by big pharma, like, okay, great. Good for you. Like we're, you, you said like, you know, you said a very popular, unpopular opinion that big pharma brainwashes everybody to believe that vaccines work. But I mean, <clears throat> There hasn't really been any solid evidence from what I've seen. And I've really looked at the anti-vax arguments. They like the most often or most often people quote like the, the what was it like the 1964 study that showed that vaccines were li linked to an increased chance in autism that has since been debunked so many times and never replicated. 
the Thank study you. was also badly done. There was a lot of very misinformed uh, reporting in that study. Oh, so like what happened there? Maybe, maybe you know more. You probably know more about this case, actually. Yeah, like the 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 way research projects work is that you're supposed to make it so that um, the research is uh, reproducible, but the guy kind of like falsified information and so on and so forth. So people are like, that study never really had any concrete, um, never had a concrete basis among other researchers and among other scientists. This whole anti-vax, anti-vax thing, it, it really goes against the Jewish ideal to keep all life sacred. It's a very serious topic. Like. The most non, the most non-Jewish ideal is treating people with with some kind of levity, because we believe literally every life is sacred. And not only that, we go so far as to say every life can become something more than itself. Which is like if you look at the world and you want to view us in strictly Darwinistic terms, we we would just define ourselves uh, based on how well we can reproduce, and. But the fact that human beings, in, in the Jewish vernacular, it was, we never measure a human's worth based on their capability to be more animalistic. It's the opposite. We measure Jew, uh, like a, any person's worth by their capability to be, to be like a useful to society. Like to, the contents of the character. Right, the essence of their character, right? And it, this whole anti-vax movement is such an anti-Jewish ideal that Jews aren't like... We're never supposed to be the reason that more people are suffering. You know, that's one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest points in the Jewish, in the Jewish culture. Like that's, and it's unfortunate that there are these people in the Jewish culture, but again, that's not a Jewish ideology because I think that even in the ultra Orthodox world, even there, medicine is something that they, the point being that even the most fringe groups in Judaism would look to medicine and not really think it goes against Torah values. Like, so Judaism and medicine never really like kind of clashed with butted heads. So, uh, can I just one time, oh, one time for sure that I could say it did. But uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly where this, where I found this. I think it was in the Ramban, but he said that at one point there was a safer refuos. Right, right, yeah, 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 that's right. That Moshe had, or Yeshua, and Yeshua had it. It was or, either Moses or you know one of or King Yahu. Right, it was Hezekiah. So they apparently had a book of you know healings, different you know things to do to avail your illnesses, and it seemed to work. And that was why Hezekiah hid the book. It's, it's hidden. It, it was. It ceased to be used after that. And the reason was simply, and that's the idea that I guess I'm trying to convey, is that we can't. You it's can't. If you rely only on the medicine, you rely only on the treatment, then you're you're missing the point. Right? God invented illness. We saw the the first kind of time of somebody was Hezekiah. Why did he get ill? Right? So I, I don't want to say he was the first person to get ill. He was not. But that we see that God uses illness just like he uses any other thing as a, as a way to communicate with us. That's what God communicates us through life. So just, you know, when you get sick, you know, you could just, yeah, take the pill and yeah, and you'll probably be fine. But like, I think it's, the idea is more of, uh, it requires reflection that when you're in the situation, why is, why is this happening to me? Maybe I should, you know, it's not necessarily you, that you can attribute it to something because we don't really have that ability to know how to attribute our sufferings to what specific things we did or didn't do. But 
The idea is that if you if you just focus on the medicine and the refuah and whatever it is, and you're leaving God out of it, then you're 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 making a grave mistake. But right, but the thing is that I'm so glad you brought that example up. The fact that that book of healing, that book of medicines and whatever it was, um, this uh, this mythological or perhaps even real book of that cured all ailments, even perhaps coronavirus. Now I'm just kidding. Um, you mean you could cure the flu? Oh, wow. Yeah, but the like the thing is, we still believe that that book worked, right? Like regardless of whether you prayed, which is, we believe that that book worked regardless of whether you prayed, which means that we we acknowledge that there is a scientific way that the world works, but to again, this is a good point because if you reduce everything to a scientific analysis to zeros and ones, which is what people are trying to do now, and uh, you know, kind of make the very strong case that we're all living in a computer simulation, um, that you, you reduce the beauty. You're literally tearing apart the beauty of the world only because, oh, to, you, to us, science is the ultimate truth. I, I think that anybody with, the, you know, with an iota of exposure to spiritual ideas, you know, not just Judaism, but Buddhism, Confucianism, you know, Shintoism, Jainism, whatever it is, you know, Christianity, Islam, like, you know, everything has this beautiful idea of like spiritual counterparts and they'll say oh no because these things make your dopamine levels rise and these things make them fall you know the the dark gray clouds make uh what's it called bring on seasonal effectiveness disorder like come on like you know there's the to think that there's a the, there's a way the world works and no reason for it is a paradox in itself because if there's a way the world works there must be a reason for it can god give himself a cold he can't cure i don't know did he take an ibuprofen that's the question <laughs> but uh oh yeah Benyam, you want to say something sorry i got off topic there i think by the way the answer to that question is no he cannot give himself an illness he can't cure because that would be limiting himself i think the answer to that question is yes and no he can do both simultaneously because he's not bound by rules well he is bound by by like two rules and those rules are that the rule that he's bound by is that he's not bound by rules but that's not a rule to be bound by. It is. He, he, anything, he can do anything except for limit himself. He can limit himself and, uh, and not do that. No, I was just going to mention uh, one quick thing that I want to tell both of you guys. You guys keep saying how there's the Jewish community doesn't have anything. It doesn't seem to be the very anti-vax, right? Mm -hmm. However, there was a few years back in Israel, at least, there was the whole measles outbreak. I don't know if you guys remember this or not. Really? Yeah. And the interesting thing about this measles outbreak is that we have a vaccine that we are pretty much 99.99% sure works. So there does seem to be a issue of vaccination among the Jewish community. Really? In Israel? I didn't know that. I yeah. think that's probably more of a product of lack of access to information as opposed to, you know, being against it. If you've never heard of it, you can't really be against it. Right, like Israelis aren't really like, you know, charged, with, like they aren't as like charged as Americans are with like the issues, let's say, like, you know, they're all kind of like ah, just chilling. about that. <laughs> they're charged, they're, they're very charged, charged on their own issues. They're charged with the issue of sending people to the army or not, like, you know what I mean? Like that, that's no, like No, they have more than one. <laughs> there is a very, you know, big political divide in Israel too. It's just that everything next to America doesn't seem like it's as crazy, but don't worry, all the other governments and all the other countries are also you think they're that charged about the vaccine 
Like, you think that's like a big deal, or do you think there's? It was a big deal during the measles outbreak. I'll say that much. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, do you think like Dublin has a point that like they just don't have the like they're just? It's not that they don't have the information. It's just like that's not something they would ever research, like you know, like in America. How are they gonna research it? What? How are they gonna research it anyway? They gonna what are they gonna do? To be fair, I don't think Israelis really know how to research the way Americans do. I'm gonna slap you. <laughs> you, you don't understand? You have, you have to, we have to cut Israel everything in the last minute. No, they do. They in really the classic do. Yes. No, no, I was talking about. I was talking about like you know the ultra ultra people who like don't walk out of the house. That's what I'm talking about. Israelis are. There's no, it's exactly the same. It's just in a different. It's just in Hebrew. That's actually another thing that happened with COVID in the Israeli Hasidic communities is that all the Israelis started blaming, blame, uh, the secular Israelis, I should say, started blaming the Hasidic community in Yerushalayim for spreading COVID-19 to such an extreme point. But what they don't realize is that they didn't have the access to the education and learning about COVID-19 to understand why social distancing and masks and all these other things were so important. They just didn't know about it. Yeah, but to be fair, like, that's still a fault of the system. In a sense, like, look, in America... Yeah, that is a fault of the system, right. right. It's a fault of the government. The government should have been able to spread the information even to these communities through pamphlets or whatever, since they know that they don't watch the TV. The communities don't even allow the government into their house. <laughs> I mean, there are... But you you show up as a government are, official to a Hasidic door room, they'll assume you're taking them away to the no, army. There are religious uh, government officials, but there's Shas, there is United Torah Judaism, there are still Hasidic members of Knesset who could have been the ones to, uh, what's it called, like, send the information over. Fair enough. I hear that. I hear that. So, the, I mean, that's a valid, I actually didn't, yeah, just throw that out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I actually didn't know that this, uh, this was a problem, like, in the Israeli culture, which kind of sucks, but, I mean, Israel, from what I heard, like, in the beginning, they really were doing really well with COVID, and nowadays, it's, like, not getting as, uh, Yeah, there was a, there was a second, uh, second wave. Yeah. So I should be gone in a few weeks. What happened? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Israel is like a very unique, very unique place, and everybody like this isn't like a Jewish statement about the holiness of the land. Just that if you go to Israel, you recognize it's a very like, it's not like anything else in the world, and like you could take that in a bad way or a good way, but it's just it's it's very it's different experience. Different. It's yeah. just different. Like that's all it is. Um, I take it in a good way, very good way. So please get off the edge. <laughs> uh, sorry, you wanna you wanna tell us the story because David has a story about the interloping of prayer and uh, and uh, medicine. Yeah, this is I think this is the central idea that I want to keep coming back to. I think I have, but I'm gonna just hammer it home. Um, so I had a rabbi, and he I saw him one day he's holding like a pill. It was like some kind of small pill and he's like putting it in his breast pocket and taking it out or whatever i don't know i just noticed it or someone else noticed it i don't remember if it was me but either way so they asked him you know what's the deal with the pill and he said well i went to the doctor and the doctor said okay you have this and this take this once a day so i took it now the doctor my job is to do what the doctor says my Hashem wants me to the doctor is a messenger for god god is going to heal me but the doctor is the messenger so the doctor told me to take the pill he didn't tell me to eat the pill so i, I took the pill into my pocket so it's just you know however you want to look at that the idea is simply that it's not about the physical act if you if you truly believe if you really truly believe that the pill is is what is that that's what's healing you then you're 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 you don't you're you're not seeing beyond the physical 
right? Like, like you said, there's, like you said, spiritual counterparts, whatever you want to call it. There's always going to be a physical act in order to accomplish something in a physical world. But that doesn't mean that it's a completely physical thing. So actually, that's pretty interesting because like at first, you know, my initial reaction is kind of to, to before COVID, I would have scoffed at that and just been like, hey, you know, one of these, one of these Jews. No, I'm kidding, but, uh, uh, like right now, I'll tell you the truth. A lot of research has come out about the first wave of COVID and a lot of, you know, besides the fact that whatever you can say, the numbers are overinflated because they're including comorbidity when COVID probably wasn't the primary cause, blah, 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 blah. But a lot of research has shown that the anxiety that people experienced because of COVID was probably one of the leading factors to, the, to COVID killing them. You know, it wasn't because being anxious, by the way, it's crazy. Like if you read the famous book, oh, one second, let me get it out here. I forgot who wrote it. I forgot who wrote it and I don't want to be sleep. There's a famous book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by Robert M. Sapolsky, right? And this book is just so amazing because what it shows is that like how much energy your body uses up when it's anxious. Like, because anxiety is really like a, re a primal reaction to when, a, to when a predator is chasing you and you have to leave and run and use all your energy. You see, we live in, a day, we live in the days in like first world and second world countries where we we have the comfort to use that defense mechanism simply in our day-to-day -day lives because we have too many things to think about and what happens is that that anxiety weighs down our like defense systems again very generally speaking uh but he explains it very well i, I highly recommend reading this book um basically it's that the anxiety takes such a toll on your body that it really lowers your defense mechanism to the extent that like if you have, if you're anxious enough, like the, the, the common cold is deadly. Like, you know, like it, again, like, so, you know, it's the people who aren't, weren't anxious about COVID and like, you're, you're like your rabbi who, you know, let's say he took the pill because he wasn't anxious about the, about the disease. Like he turned out to be fine. I'm not saying that's why he turned out to be fine. Like, I don't know the reason nobody does, but again, it's about, it's about realizing that like anxiety is definitely like the bigger if you're more relaxed about the disease you'll usually end up prevailing like you know as long like obviously follow some i'll follow medical advice and you know uh take some take some zen moments for yourself you know like uh like when i like when i had COVID, uh you know meditation like helped me so much like you know like this this was it was good stuff like you know honestly the only thing that kind of kept me sane was the breathing exercises and yeah, isn't it? Isn't that the, the? I mean, it's. I know it's not like it's not like a. I don't know. What was I saying? Give me a minute here. Laughter is the best medicine. Okay, so obviously that we don't take that at face value. Laughter is not the best medicine, right? If you have cancer, laughter is not going to cure your cancer. You probably could use some chemotherapy, but the idea behind it is very true, and that's since since the body is is a physical thing, but it's also a very spiritual thing a, a spiritual energy in whatever positive or negative direction has an effect on the physical world that's why anxiety i mean you can quantify anxiety and you can say that it's just a depletion of serotonin or whatever but i mean this is a very recent science most science up until you know that was assumed that anxiety was a spiritual element it was a element of the soul or whatever you want to call it uh, just because now we can attribute it to lower levels of you know, certain chemical imbalances, uh, to me, it doesn't in any way indicate that it's physical. It just says that there's a physical manifestation of a spiritual thing, which is the entire world. So, 
Right. So first of all, let's ask the medical professional if what we're saying is even credible in any sense. I I think yeah, I would agree with you guys. I just would like to add into this the, the it reminds me of something that I once heard that there was a question given to me that what is the difference between someone who is alive versus someone who is dead? Now, you can answer them that the living person has a heart that is beating, but the question then becomes why the dead person also has a heart. Even though he's dead, he still has a heart. Or you could say that, you know, the living person has a brain that is functioning. But again, the dead person also has a brain. What, what is it that makes the brain function in the living person, but not in the dead person? Because there's not one physical aspect that the dead person doesn't have that the living person doesn't. So it all comes to whatever this battery of a living person is. And this battery is what you guys are pretty much saying. It's the soul. There, there is a connection among the soul and the physical. So, yeah, it's actually, I actually like that a lot because it reminds me of, uh, there's an opinion about one of the, one of the uh, people in the, in the Torah, in the Hebrew Bible. Now we, you might know him as Phinehas. You might actually know him as Phineas because that would be a mistranslation, but it's oh, really God, not Phineas. Not Phineas and Ferb, oh no. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't associate Phineas with anything other than Phineas and Verb. Exactly. It's, so Phinehas is a more proper transliteration. We call him Pinchas. Um, he was given this covenant of peace in the, in the Hebrew Bible. Um, and so the, one of the ideas of the covenant of peace um, by the sages is that he was just given inner tranquility, complete inner tranquility. And the support for that is that he went on, he went to like war, like literally about a chapter later and he didn't kill anybody pretty much, or uh, he didn't like vote to kill the women and children, which was like a very unique, uh, unique thing for conquest of the time. But uh, you see Pinchas had this inner tranquility and it enabled him according to the sages to live like hundreds of years because in the Hebrew Bible, you see him alive during times of like the, the later judges, which is, uh, which is like a solid, to almost 200 years after the whole episode um, of the of the of Pinchas first being introduced, so it's just interesting. Like the truth is, the truth is, and I'm gonna bring in something from the from the uh, psychologist we all know and love on the podcast, um, Jordan Peterson. He said that <clears throat> basically he I believe the context was they were. And, <laughs> <laughs> clean your room it's a, it's a but uh, uh basically the the context was this somebody asked him do you believe that christ was reborn or he never died and so he kind of paused for a second and he said well i don't know because we don't know what happens when somebody is in tune with like you know gets to such a place with the world that like they're in tune with it to like such a degree so okay like, like we really don't know what happens and like I'm just saying, this is a this is a scientific person. Like you know, he's not like you can argue he's also religious. Like I I would agree that he acts in a religious manner, fine, but he's he's primarily based his ideology in science. You know what I mean? And and psychology, and you know, he he's quite he's quite um prominent. Not only I, mean, I think what he said was 100 percent right. He just got the wrong guy. That's all. <laughs> I knew you were thinking it. I knew it. I was like I could tell by your reaction. I happen to agree. Yeah. But so that, like, that's what's interesting to me because this idea of inner tranquility, we really don't understand how much being at peace can get you to live longer and happier. And there was a Harvard study. Ooh, oh, I forgot what this Harvard study is. I'm actually not going to say because I don't want to misinterpret it. It's a beautiful study. But I believe that if anybody looks at the Harvard or the Yale study on true happiness, 
um, there's a whole thing about how they followed people around for like 50 years and they, they kind of came to the conclusion that the happiness that comes from building relationships with others yields to living the longest life. Like, you know, just the happiness of family and this and that can like, it yields the happiest life. So I don't want to like say the entire this details of the study, study because I don't want to misinterpret it. But I think that was the end, the end just. And it was just a beautiful study. Just to help uh, David Pai out here, going back to something that Rambam once said, or Maimonides, is that uh, the number one cause of death is stress. And the he way, said I'm pretty he sure he didn't say that. He didn't say that? He, he might have said that, but I know he for was, a fact that he said something else is the leading cause of death. What else? Did he say stupidity? Nope. I feel like that's something he would say. <laughs> uh, uh, in, 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 seminal emissions. Really? He says that the wise, no, I'm sorry, he doesn't say this. He says the wisest of doctors says that one, in, that one in a thousand dies from natural causes and the other 999 die from excessive intercourse. Okay. And that, that wasn't his opinion. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I'm going to die alone. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Should I edit that out? I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> no, no, you, 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 use, your, use your best judgment. Okay, uh, fine. So, but uh, I, I could definitely see uh, Maimonides saying that. Let me, let me, yeah, let me just rephrase. So a famous person once said, who could possibly Maimonides <laughs> that the leading cause of uh, death is stress. And it just, yeah, it goes back to what you were saying, like being happy, which in my opinion is kind of the opposite of stress, right? Because what is stress? It's lack of happiness, maybe? But not like a vain happiness, you know, like a, like a true, like, you know, like a joy. It's, like a, it's actually a very good thing. The, the, the word stress or pain in, in Hebrew is tsar, which the word tsar is, is also, it can be as tsar, meaning narrow, makum tsar, narrow place, that stress and pain comes from being felt like you don't have any room, to, you, you're just stuck and you're, you have no room to move. Oh, and you're limited, right? Yeah, yeah. You're narrowed, you're, 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 everything's narrowed and also your focus becomes narrowed. Right? You're only, when you're stressed out about something, you can't think about anything but that thing. You're narrowed. You're just stuck. It's just you and that problem is right in front of you and there's no way around it because it's so narrow. That's sire. Sure. And that, and that, that is, it's, it's a killer. I mean, everybody knows. So, <laughs> stress is a killer. 100%. So thank you for saying that because I do remember hearing that a great Jewish sage used to say that. I feel like it's the Lubavitcher Rebbe. I don't know why. It just sounds like something he would say. Could be Rav Nachman from Reslo. That could be also. Could be also. <laughs> it sounds like one of the one of these uh, one of the Hasidic rebbe's. And the Hasidism in Judaism is like the section of Jews that follows the ideology of a certain rabbi, loosely speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, kind of like loosely speaking. Maybe David will elaborate better. I don't know what it is exactly. Or is that pretty accurate? I don't know. I lost you for a second. I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> Was it? Um, is Hasidism like essentially a, like groups of Jews that follow like certain rabbis, you know, like whatever and their idea? I mean, I mean, the very basic idea of Hasidus is that. <sighs> okay, well, we'll stop soon because this is. No, okay, uh, so uh, the basic idea, uh, I mean, I, I'm not really qualified because I'm not Hasidic and I don't really, I never really studied it. But it seems that the idea is that um, the like the head, they call him the Rebbe or the, the rabbi, whoever he is, he's like, it's just smaller communities really is what it can be boiled down to. Smaller communities with much more, it's much more tightly knit, but also at the same time, the, the flip side of that being very, um, what's the word? Sheltered maybe? Right. 
Uh, that, that's, I mean, obviously, there's, there's so many different types of Hasidus, and, and it varies tremendously. A, there's such a, a massive spectrum of different types of Hasidus in terms of uh, everything, in terms of every, by every metric. So, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I can answer that question. I'm going to make an unaired joke. All right, so let's go on to this last topic. Um, but before we do, I'm just going to brag a little bit about Jews, just to kind of drive home the point that Jews were never really against the medical uh, system is that um, I'm going to put on my braggy voice now, okay? If you look at Jews and you look at the Nobel Prize winners, 28% um, of them are Jewish, okay? And um, <laughs> the Jews make up less than 2%. Night. What? I heard this from JP last night. What, he you, said that? No, what happened, basically he was, somebody asked him, can you address the Jew question? Oh, and, yeah, that's right. And he said they don't behave like immigrants, yeah? No, maybe that was a different one. But there was, I noticed there was a bunch of them. But they, he responded by saying, well, first of all, he was like offended by the question. He goes, well, that's a hell of a question to ask. But he <laughs> pointed out the, I think he said, the average Ashkenazi Jew, a Jew of European descent, sorry for you two, uh, of Sephardic descent, but the Jews of, of Ashkenazi descent had about 15, on average, 15% or 15 more IQ points than the average, uh, I don't know exactly what it was. Basically, so it was the difference between a college student and a high school student in terms of, in terms of uh, cognitive ability. And he pointed out that, that it's obviously, there's an obvious disparity in, in like, looking Nobel, like you said, Nobel Prize winners and all sorts of things. It, Jews are uh, <coughs> very much disproportionately represented, like way out of proportion. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's just, about, it's just bragging, so. We, we like to brag a little bit. It's Everyone's easy. favorite, smartest person was Jewish. This is what Jordan said. Jordan said, if you ever, like, he's, Jordan said, I, I don't understand. Like, what's the problem? You don't want more geniuses? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, wait, but you wanted to say something. I was saying everyone's favorite, smartest Jewish person is Albert Einstein. So it's like. <laughs> and what was the quote from Albert Einstein? I love this quote. Um, God does not play dice with the universe. That was also a great quote. But I think he said, science without religion is blind. And religion without science is lame, or the opposite way around. Religion without science is blind, and science without religion is lame. That's what he said. Because the real so lame, science, lame used to mean crippled. Yes, that's what I mean. Not, not like the you lame, bro. <laughs> not like that. It wasn't the, the Einstein never said you're lame, bro. I, I guarantee you. I will mess with time. <laughs> okay, so now final controversial point: masks during COVID. Do you wear them? Why or why not? And when do you wear them? Um, I wear them when I go out into like stores and stuff. Just I don't want to upset people because people seem to get very upset. Actually, there was one point I was um, I was out and I didn't have my mask. I was with a group of friends and we didn't and we didn't have masks. And we went and we just we, we ran into the store to grab something, you know, just buy something and run out. And this guy in there happened to be Jewish because he you know decided to tell us starts yelling at us and saying how horrible we are and how we're evil and we're murderers and he goes yeah and he starts pointing out that how how much worse it is because we're jewish and he goes well i'm jewish too and this is despicable and he was very very upset but so i i don't want to if it bothers people that much i'll wear the mask when i go into the store you know i think it makes a lot more sense to not have uh, mass gatherings. I think if in terms of like spreading a disease, it's much more important to not have massive gatherings of thousands of people than to wear masks in the supermarket. I think certain things are obvious. But when 
they are charged with political, um, you know, I'm like, yeah, we can't really go there. But you know what I'm saying. I feel like such a Karen, like I'm just politically correcting everybody here. Like, like, like David said, like going outside, I kind of feel only because like, you know, I guess emotionally I'm more attuned to this. I'm, all, I'm more attuned to the idea that if you're Jewish and like, like uh, my primal thing in, in the Jewish culture is that be a good person and never be a reason why people have more of a reason to hate Jews. The problem is, and that comes, of course that's true. You shouldn't make a chilashem. You shouldn't make people think badly about Jews. But if that comes at the expense of, of not holding true to your principles, that's just cowardice. It's not being considerate. It's being, ca- being a coward. Right, but you can hold to your principles in a way that comes off as being a jerk, which I have done before. Of course, of course. That's, I agree with you 100%. 100%. But it doesn't mean like, oh, I don't want to look like that guy, so I'm just not going to pray now because I don't want to, like, I have to pray, but I don't want to look like too religious. So, so, so I'm not I agree gonna... with you, but you have to do everything in your power to not come off as, like, listen, stick to your principles, but do everything in your power to not you come off as act, a jerk. If you act in a normal way and a person decides to interpret it and with his own, a person's own uh, pathologies, which is what we do, right? We see people and with our own problems, we, you know, assume all sorts of things. Why are we going to play into people's hands? Of course you shouldn't, you shouldn't, if don't, you act in a normal way and what people think of you isn't really all that important because it doesn't matter. You're acting normal. If they think you're not acting normal, then they're just, I mean, it's not really relevant. Why would we even think about that? Why bother? Okay, you're right, but let's move on because it's like really, it's really long and okay, fine. Look, I just think Jews should act in a, in, a, in a good person manner. And since the majority of the world accepts that if you're going to, at least the, the bottom line for COVID and masks, I think, is that if you're going to a crowded place or a place where there's like really hard to be separation between people, you wear a mask, you know, like, you know, so that you don't be a carrier or something like that. Like, I think that that's, I think that you don't have to do more than that, especially anybody up to the age of like 60, in my opinion. And like, I don't think you ever, like, you really have to be more than that, even morally speaking, like, you know, like even morally speaking, you don't have to do that. So I wear masks when I go to like the subway or like, you know, the, the stores and all that. Um, not subway, the store, because that's not kosher. Subways and stores, different things. Okay. Anyways, um, but uh, that, like, that's all I mean. Like, you know, COVID and masks, like there are like complete mask deniers. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> there are complete mask deniers. Benjamin's putting on a mask right now <laughs> in order to, uh, to show his support for... No, actually, you want me to say what I think? Yeah, go ahead. Obviously. You're, you're uh, I'm going to not really bring in my <laughs> own personal uh, opinions on this whole mask thing, but I will say the science behind it, which is the truth is that COVID-19 is still relatively a new disease, and we still don't have enough information to know what works, what does not work. Statistically speaking, is it possible that masks do help spread the spread? Uh, stop stop the, spread. the spread, thank you. No. Yes, it does. Is it by a lot? Maybe not. Maybe yes. I'm not sure. So we still, there's a lot of information we still don't know. But with all that said, um, it, it does seem to help a little. It, it also, something else that we should all understand is like, you can do everything correct. You know, you could, you could social distance and you could uh, wear a mask and you can do everything and you could still end up getting sick. It's very possible. And likewise, the other way around, you know, like you could do everything correctly and you're not going to get sick. It, it's, as I was saying in that earlier part of this podcast, it, it, a lot of it has just to do with God in my opinion. It's just like, you're going to get sick. You're not going to get sick. It, it, yeah. But if you want to go statistically, then yes, wearing a mask does seem to help for actually, now. 
I think that was the well, the best, the best set out of any of us. But it's actually uh, yeah. seems like an obvious thing if you have a, if you have a respiratory uh, disease that spreads uh, through the respiratory system, and that's what it affects. Then it would make sense to try and limit the stuff that's coming out of my mouth from getting into your mouth or your eyes or wherever. Exactly. You know, like that's I mean, that's just that's just common sense, I suppose. Right, but I'm saying a lot of people don't buy into that common sense. You know what I mean? It, it could be that it's doing very little. Who knows? I think I think at this point it's become about much more than just mass it seems like it's about other things that i don't want to get into this is not a political podcast but this is it's become a very charged issue unfortunately that's just the everything's way. become charged now yeah. Right, yeah. since we are ending off i just wanted to help whoever wants to with a little meditation some stuff um scientifically speaking as i was saying i i an undergraduate college i went to queen's college so i took a lot of the biology the chemistry all these physics classes all these like very uh deep science classes and what i just wanted to end off with is i don't know if people understand how amazing our body is and it's not something that just just came out of nowhere you know in my it, what i believe is that you know there's a divine being being god um and the way that everything is is just it's, it's amazing it's amazingly put you know the way our cells work and the way just like our body system can uh you know even with diseases like you know how many possible diseases come to you a daily basis and your body knows how to fight that off and this all comes in other words from god and just the way we breathe and the way we eat and everything it's just we don't even think about how amazing all these things are so i just wanted to end off with that little tidbit that's that's well said that's 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 something that doesn't get talked about enough i was i was trying to find a book that i have that talks about that very topic there was a there was a doctor who was working on the genome project you know, the project to code people's DNA, right. you know, and he, he wrote a book called like the divine code or something. I forgot what it is. I forgot what it's called, but it's basically him saying like, once I started learning like so intensely about the human body and like, you know, kind of working on the genome code, he was just like, there's, it has to be that this is, a, this was, this was premeditated. Like there's no way this came about through simple evolution, the way we, most people understand it nowadays. You know, like it's too, and like it came out of nowhere. Like it's just impossible. And uh, I just think like that was a really beautiful thought by Binyamin. Like I actually remember like on me and Binyamin on Shabbat, on Shabbat we used to take on Shabbos, uh, uh, Sabbath. We used the to Sabbath. Take, the Sabbath. We used to take for our walks. listeners. Exactly. We used to take walks all the time. Like we still do, kind of. Like you know, um, we like we like we talked and whatever. And I always asked Binyamin, like you know, give me a new like a new science fact, like a new biology fact. And like, I incorporate them into my prayer, like, you know, to kind of be in awe of it and like to be thankful for like what I have. Uh, my, my favorite one is, is your whole, is, um, is the idea of, you know, the outer muscles humans, like, you know, are very proud of, you know, like we control them, like we can exercise and work on them and make them better. But the inner muscles, they kind of work by themselves. And it's like, it's really unbelievable that they do work by themselves because like, you would think you'd have to condition them and all that, like, you know, and yeah, you could, there's little things you can do, but they essentially your whole life, they work on their own. And uh, like, really, it's like just such a, like, to me, it's such a divine thing. That was in the Marsha that we taught, that we, that we learned, that Marsha on uh, Gemara and Brachos. That's the explanation of the Pasuk, that at night, when you're sleeping, when you're not conscious, all of your, uh, in your hand, I entrust my uh, spirit. Uh-huh. It doesn't translate well. Um, but the idea is yeah, when you're sleeping, your body continues to function. You know, you continue to breathe. Why is breathing an unconscious thing? That really, sh- there's no reason that breathing should be unconscious. 
It makes no sense. But if it was, we probably would learn how to die really quickly. We should like forget to breathe and then like just keel over. Exactly. And I, I again, like, you know, medicine in the Jewish culture isn't something, just stand off, like medicine in the Jewish culture isn't something to clash against. It's a tool, just like everything else, you know, it, it, it is a tool in our lives. And it's all like, the way the Jews look at it is that every tool that we have is a, every tool, every ailment is like this, it's a constant, um, it's a constant symphony as uh, Heschel puts it. It's, and, and Rabbi Nathan Lopez Cardoza puts it, it's a constant symphony of dealing with the ailments in your life by becoming a better person and by using science because science is an amazing thing which has advanced cultures so far. But then again, so has spirituality. It is science has science has evolved, like you know, our our status to a great extent. But spirituality has evolved, in my opinion, it has evolved our capability, our mental capacity, our our consciousness to such an extent. And like the consciousness is really just such an unbelievable tool of human beings. Well said. All right. I'm going to end off on you saying, well said. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> you want to say something? I was just going to say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yama, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm sorry you didn't actually do much talking. I feel bad. No, I didn't. It was great having you. Come, come back again. Come back thank soon. You. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so, he's going to medical school, everybody, by the way. Give him a clap if you're listening to this and you want to sound awkward while you're on the subway. <laughs> you just clap randomly for people. I can't just let things be things, can I? <laughs> I can't just end off like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dove, I'll see you next time. Prochezo, manizo.